Okay, so let's talk about today's topic a little bit. This is a this is a wonderful topic, um, and uh, in many Kabbalah classes that I've given in the past, I've really done this uh, right off the bat. Like I've spoken about the concept of the Svirot, I've spoken about it pretty early on, but I actually saved it this time because it has to do with this time of year. So I've been saving it for this time of year. We, we've we've uh, mentioned it several times over our learning together, the Sfirot, um, but we never really fully uh, delved into what they are. But one of the, th one of the principles that we laid out very, very early on, and we've mentioned it many times throughout our year of study together, is that a human being, we are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. Now, that's a difficult question because God, that's a difficult concept to understand because God does not have an image. Now, you've heard this idea that we're created in the image of God. What does it mean? How, how do you understand, if you've heard this before, how have, you, how, how have you understood in the past, what does it mean that man is created in the image of God? Anyone have any any um, theories or, or previous understandings what this means? Sort of everything that, that is represented through Hashem or from Hashem is also sort of sprinkled in and, and represented in us. I love that. I love that. That's great. That's great. Anyone else have any, um, any understanding of what this image of God, what that, what that means, that idea, that concept means? I think of creativity, that we create and we're creative, as is God. Beautiful. Us. Yeah, yeah, I love that as well. Now, when we speak about God, and I think that we've mentioned this in the past, but it is so important. In Judaism, we have two different perspectives of God, which are actually contradictory to one another, and yet they're both true. It's, a, it's a fascinating, something that only a spiritual thinker can understand, right? That there's contradictory ideas that are both true. Um, when, we, when we discuss God and when we think about God, we, we discuss God in two very different ways. One way to, to, to view, to discuss, and to understand God, and this is the more correct way to do it, is to understand that really God is so omnipresent, so perfect, so intangible, that really you can't have a conversation about God, right? The... the, the the, the, the perception of God is so out of the realm of human understanding, there is no such thing as a perception of God. There is no such thing as, as, a, as a, a godly experience. How can you experience God? We're so small. We're so small. It, to to, to uh, give an example, in the Torah, when God first uh, when he first resided, his, his divine presence, the divine presence, when it, when it first resided in the, in the, in the um, tabernacle, which is the original temporary version of the temple, 
So that first day that it was built, that it was put together, and God rested his presence, not even God himself, but he rested his presence. That means some sort of expression of God that exists in our finite world. And God rested his presence over, over there. So in some, at, at some way, heaven and earth were meeting in a way that God could be tangible. Nobody was able to enter into the temple. The holiness, the energy, the spiritual energy was so intense, so extreme, that even Moshe, even Moses couldn't go in. They couldn't go in. It was too electric. You can't, we can't stare at the sun, right? It's too powerful. So our, our souls cannot possibly be in the presence of, of, forget God, of even God's presence in this world. It's too strong for us. We had a taste of it at Sinai. And what happened? The, the, I don't know if, you, if, if anyone here has heard the Midrashic account of the Jewish people who are standing at Sinai when they reach this level of prophecy. Anyone knows what happened to them? Their souls left them. They had to be revived. It was literally a revival, a resurrection. I hate that word resurrection. It sounds like something from a zombie movie, right? But it was a revival of, of, of the dead. Their souls became so, so connected. There are many, many stories throughout Jewish history of, of people who entered a state of spiritual ecstasy. And it was so powerful for them that they couldn't return. They couldn't return to themselves after that. Either they went crazy or, or they dropped dead. Right, so when, when, when we have real, again, and we speak about spiritual experiences um, more as we speak about emotional experiences that we have, I'm uplifted, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired, and they're wonderful, they're beautiful, they're powerful experiences, but they're only scratching the surface of a true spiritual experience. A true spiritual experience is an out-of-body experience, and it's powerful. And that's just an experience of God's presence in this world, let alone of God himself. Right? So when we talk about God, there's one, um, one mode of thinking about God that really you, you can't speak about God. God is too intangible. He's too, he's what's called Ein Sof. In Kabbalah, you will often hear God referred to as Ein Sof. The word Ein means there is no Sof, there's no end. There's no end, completely intangible. Okay, now, that's one understanding of God. Does that excite you? Most people don't, this, this explanation, this perception of God is not exciting to them because <laughs> we want to- Experience God. Exactly. We want to experience God. We want to talk about God in terms of, of, of a relationship. You know, even I, I mentioned that my Seder in passing, because there is a discussion of angels in the Seder. So I mentioned to my children, I said, you know, angels, and again, angels are, are we're talking about holy beings. Angels are pure spiritual energy, pure spiritual energy. Um, you, the messengers of God, if you think about, um, you know, they're, 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 they're the bridge, they're the pipeline. So I mentioned to my children, I said, you know, the, the, the Kabbalistic sources say that every single, beautiful idea, they say that every single time we, we speak, especially words of prayer or words of Torah, an angel takes our words and brings it before God. 
right? That's, uh, that's an, an image. And again, we spoke about prayer in the last class, but this image of angels bringing our, which is a beautiful, powerful image, an inspirational image to think about how I could say something and I could create this electricity, this spiritual energy, right? I'm all excited. And my oldest son was like, well, one said, well, back it up. You mean we're not speaking directly to God? She was bothered by that. What an I said, what the angels right there? And like, what, we're not speaking directly? Well, I said, well, that's direct. That is direct. I said, even when you're speaking directly, right? What, what happens when you speak? You create sound waves and the sound waves enter into it. Right? You're never, any, any, even direct speech, there is a medium in between, right? There's the breath of my mouth. My breath comes out. It creates waves, right? But, so I was able to calm her down. But we as human beings, we want to believe that we have a direct uh, relationship with God, that it is an actual relationship and, and and i speak to god and 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 when and when you look when you open up the torah when you open up the prayer book the prayer book reinforces that the prayer book describes if you if you read god through the lens of the torah which is the word of god so it's god's presentation of himself what you actually find a god that has conversations with human beings we mentioned many times in the Seder that God has an outstretched, he took us out of Egypt with an outstretched arm and with a mighty hand. So we're attributing now uh, physical uh, aspects, physical representations of, of, of God. God himself introduces himself in the Ten Commandments as a God who gets jealous when we don't properly serve him. So the, the Torah very much um, gives God human characteristics human emotions, human conversation, God speaks, um, and, 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 and even sometimes describes God in, almost as if it's describing the body of God. So clearly there's another way to relate to God, not as God's, not as God's insofness, not as his intangibility, but a representation of God through which God lowers himself gives himself imagery and says, listen, you can't relate to me directly because I'm too great, I'm too big, I'm too, it's impossible to understand. But I will create for myself an image through which you will relate to that image and indirectly be connecting towards to, to, to me. Almost the equivalent of what, what, what one would say a, a parent, right, who wants to, wants the child to feel that the child is on the same level as them. So the parent, instead of picking up the child, the parent will get down on, on, on his or her knees and speak to the child in very simple terminology. So the parent is bringing themselves down almost to the level of the child and saying, listen, we can't really have a relationship because I'm an adult and you're, and, and, and you're a little child, but I'm going to almost turn myself into a child. I'm going to give, present myself to you in a way that is childish, so therefore we can have a friendship. We can relate like that. And in many ways, that's the second understanding, the second aspect of God is how God lowers himself, right? And this is not just in the way he's described, but this is actually in the way that God runs the world, where God creates a, a, a lower, uh, a lower um, image, a lower being of himself, one that speaks, one that has a name, 
one that in many ways appears to us that he has emotions. And it is through that that God runs the world. And it's that lower image of God that we are able to experience each one according to their level. So again, so for many of us, even that aspect of God is, is we, we, we can't even experience that. We can only experience the lower level of that. But again, as you grow, you are experiencing God, not directly, but indirectly through the image of God. The image of God. So when we, okay, so that's, that's one of the things when we say the image of God. So does God have an image? The answer is yes, God does have an image. The image of God is not God himself. The image of God is a, is a spiritual energy that God has created as a filter, as an interface between the ain't self, between the intangible God and us human beings who can never experience that, but we can experience this interface called this Selim Elohim, this image of God at that level. Let's take a, just take a moment and think about this and just process this and see if this makes sense. And if anyone has any questions or if you'd like me to explain it greater, you can ask, ask now. So when you refer to the contradiction or the, the opposites of concepts, you're referring on the one hand to God being, you, you know, is so omnipresent and perfect that we cannot experience. And then on the, on the contrary is that we're relating to the image of God at whatever level we're at. Is that what you Exactly, mean? exactly. And we call that God, right? We, we, we refer to that. So when, so when we say, you know, when, when we call God, and God has many different names in the Torah. I'll speak about those names a little bit more. God has many names in the Torah. All of the names of God are all names, not of God himself, but of the image of God. The Yud and the He and the Vav and the He is a name of God's image. Elohim is a name of God's image. All of the different ways that we refer to God, these are na not names of God, but they're names of the image of God. And this is an image that God has created so that we now have a way to relate to something which is a genuine experience that's not going to be too powerful and overwhelming. Can there be a misinterpretation of this image? God being jealous. Why would God be jealous? That's a human yeah. emotion. Yeah. So yes. is that the, a true representation? This concept, and I mean the truth is you're touching you're you're touching on, on a very, very deep idea. And the, the, the fact that God has to create an image of himself so that we could relate does give room for a lot of misinterpretation. Because now we're, what, we're, what, what we're actually saying is that God is creating something, an interface, and we're interacting with that interface, which again, for those who only view God as the interface, but don't view him as the ain't self, that's actually touching almost on idolatry. And the early, if you, if you tr understand the origins of idolatry, the origins of idolatry are actually came from that, that they understood that because they were able to experience the image of God, but not God directly, 
they dismissed the Ein Sof, the omnipresence of God, right? Because they couldn't see it, because they couldn't sense it, but they could experience the image of God. So there is room, there is a lot of room for misinterpretation when we're speaking about the image of God, because if we speak about God's image, forgetting that there's an Ein Sof that's projecting that image, then yes, then 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 one one can. Now, just going back to what you said, just to more more directly answer your question. So, the more even the image of God, even the image of God itself, is also something that is perfect, not of the same perfection as God itself, but it is something that is perfect. But can yes, but can also can because it conceals God in some way can also be misunderstood at times to have flaws without properly understanding why God runs the world the way he does. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll be able to understand that a, a little bit more. So again, remember, when we say God is a jealous God, those are God's own words, right? We didn't say about God that he's jealous. We didn't say about God that he's angry. These are words that, that, that are in the Torah. So God uses it. So that means that God himself is projecting himself as being jealous. Right? So, and, and, and because that's, because, God, oh, like we're going to, well, I'll, I'll explain why in, in just a moment. But, but God is not saying about himself uh, a flaw. He's saying you need to understand what jealousy is and why I'm jealous and why that's also an aspect of my perfection. Because it's very easy to misunderstand that. And, and, I'll, and that'll become clear in, in just a moment. So, um, so once we understand that there, what, what we mean when we say the image of God, now, let's understand what we mean when we say that human beings are created in the image of God. Virtually, we can only experience something where we share some sort of commonality. Right? If, if I, I can only experience, I can only have a relationship of love with somebody else who also experiences love. If love was something that was given only to, you know, to, to people who live in the United States of America, right? But people in Britain didn't know what it means to, they didn't have the emotion of love. So you can't have a loving relationship, right? With someone who can't experience love. The magnetic energy just doesn't work. The way love works is that you can experience love, they could experience love, and then therefore their love energy and your love energy meet, they attract each other like magnets, and they suck you together. In the same way you can't have a conversation with someone in a language if you don't speak the same language, you can't have a relationship with someone that you don't share the same emotions with. So because of that, when God created the world, and we've said this many, many times, the world, the physical world that we live in, and I'm going to say the physical world, but I don't only mean the physical world. I mean the world and all aspects of the world are the outermost layer, the clothing, if you will, of God. We, the human beings, are in, are, are, are our souls are in a way a mirror image of God. 
We are a microcosm of God. Right? Imagine my, the, from, from um, Austin Powers, the movie Austin Powers, right? So the bad guy was, that was his name? Dr. Evil, right? Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Yes, it was Dr. Evil and Mini-Me, right? So imagine that, that everything that exists in the world, and I'm not only talking about human beings, I'm talking about the world itself. We're all the image of God reflected onto this screen called the physical world, right? And therefore, every single one of us, both individually and the and collective humanity as a whole, is a mirror image of this godliness. When, 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 when I connect with you, I look into your eyes and you look back in mine, okay? I speak to you and you speak back to me. I put forth love and I feel your love. Our relationship is because we reflect each other. When we exist as human beings, we exist always in relationship to God and always reflecting God. So there is nothing that exists inside of us that isn't also present in this image of God. We're talking about our good traits and our quote-unquote bad traits. Because really there are, there is no such thing as bad traits. There's good, there's good traits that are mischanneled. There's good traits that we have too much of or don't properly know how to apply it. But really, as human beings, we don't have any traits that are, that are, uh, that are at their core bad. Because we are a reflection of this image of God. And because of that, we can have a relationship with spirituality. We could feel spiritual. We could relate to God, not the end self. We could relate to the image of God because we are actually a reflection of God himself. Does that make sense? Yes. Good. Fantastic. And again, if anyone's struggling with this, because it is, it is a very, very, it's, it's, it's a beautiful idea, but it's a deep idea. So uh, feel free to ask any questions or, or if you want to just clarify anything, uh, feel free to do so. Um, so, but, so when we say that we are created in the image of God, that's what we're saying. We're saying God has an image. God has an image which acts as an interface so that we could experience him with, 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 with something that won't be too overwhelming for us. That image itself is structured in a way that it can now be projected onto another. And therefore, God can clear out space to allow the existence of human beings, of man, who will reflect this image and be able to relate to this image. I don't really understand, Shlomo, when you say that there are no bad traits. Okay. So let's just... Is that because okay. God is perfect? So if we're reflecting back um, uh, qualities um, that are less than desirable, they can't be bad because they're a reflection of God? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Correct. So, for example, what Adrian pointed out before, or what I, or what I said before. So let's just say two things, jealousy and anger. Jealousy and anger. Those are two things one would jump out and say, these are bad traits right, that, that, that many of us have. Jealousy and anger. Well, one second. Jealousy and anger, look in the Torah. God says about himself that he's a jealous God. 
God says about himself that he gets angry. So what does that mean? So I need to understand what, where that is in God. Why does God get angry? Why is God just, remember, he's thinking about himself. So how does, why does God get angry? Okay, well, God gets angry or God gets jealous because in the context, both of those things are context of idol worship. When human beings are serving idols, God gets jealous, God gets angry. So that means, right, that, so idol worship is, is, is really the, the, the greatest example of, of human beings forgetting about God and rebelling against God. In those contexts, God says, that is a wrong, and because of that, I get jealous and I get angry. That tells me, Shlomo Batzbaum, that I have, um, I have inner traits that are meant to repel bad behavior. What is that inner mechanism that's used to repel bad behavior? Jealousy and anger. The feeling when you say, that's wrong, I will not tolerate wrong, that's jealousy, that's anger. Each one, they're slightly different. I'm just lumping them together. So that means that it's there. And that means that if I didn't have them, then everything goes, hey, everything's amazing. Oh, you want to do wrong? And so, you know, And the world will fall apart. So that means that I'm given a certain amount of intolerance that's meant to be applied so that there will be certain boundaries in my life. And there's certain, there will be a certain sense of right and wrong that's born out of jealousy and anger. Now, because we're human and because we're meant to have free will, I can now use that jealousy and anger and say, and, and, and use that anger. Every single time somebody does something which offends me, I get angry. When I see people that have things that I want, I get jealous. That's a misuse of a trait that's been given to me to hone in and to channel for the way it's supposed to be used, and that is to repel evil, to repel bad. So there's righteous anger. Exactly. As, exactly. as opposed to anger. Exactly. And, and it's not limited to Jews only. Right, right. No. What do you mean by that? Expound what, you, what you're saying. So if that's the image, Every, every Gentile, every hostile, every murderer has the same image. Exactly, exactly. It's and you can. Connection. Exactly. So, how and, do we differentiate between the bad ones and Jewish people? Well, um, the, the image of. The, the image of we are close to Yom HaShoah. So, that's where my interference comes. How would you then explain? the evil and the destruction that Jewish people incurred with that face of God, image of God presenting yeah, it, itself? It's a very, it's a very, it's, it's a wonderful question and very difficult, uh, very difficult to understand. But clearly we see that the power of free will, and again, we're not going to get into free will today. We, we did speak about it earlier, but about why we have free will, but clearly free will, as godly as a trait can be used, it could also be used for the complete opposite extreme. So just because it's, it's, an, just it's, a, it's a godly trait doesn't mean that it can't be taken and it can't be perverted and it can't be brought down to the lowest level. And when it does, it's actually, you're actually disconnecting it from God. So when you use a trait the right way, and this is where we're going, when you're using the trait the right way, 
it now draws you closer to God because of how you're how you're using it to reflect God, and it becomes a magnet. But but free will allows you to take that trait and completely disconnect it from God. And again, without getting into why, because this is earlier, but we we mentioned this earlier in the air, and we can discuss it offline. That it's actually for the exact same reason that a trait can be so magnetic and so powerful, that's also why it can be so destructive. The more destructive the trait is, the more, the more powerful it can be used as a way to draw close to God. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's difficult, and there's a lot more to be, to be said on that, but again, that's just something to think about. So um, when we, let's go back now to this, uh, to this image here. Um, okay, so now you should see it up on your screen again. So now, when we speak about the spherot, now we can give a little bit more of an understanding as to what they are. When we speak about the spherot, what we're really speaking about is the origin, the innermost points of energy that are inside of us, which are the origin of really all of our other character traits. We mentioned in the class before Pesach that these top three are, well, over here it's just cognitive, but these are called intellects. These are intellectual traits. So this is how our mind, our brain works. We mentioned that Keter, crown, is the inspiration, the will that's behind our decisions. Wisdom is the information that we process. Bina, which is understanding, is how we, again, Chachma is what we receive, and Bina is how we process. But these are, this is all part, the upper three spherot correspond to us and our learning process, how we receive, uh, how we receive our information. The days of Svirat HaOmer are not meant to focus on these. These, by nature, are pure. They're pure. They're, they're, they're divine gifts that are given to us. Right? The, the, a person's intellect, by nature, by itself, should be, is, is, it really is, is, it's pure energy. It's pure energy. We have the ability to learn and to see things with clarity as long as we can keep our minds, we can, we can keep our thoughts clean and we can keep our minds pure. Where we struggle as human beings is, is really in these seven, these seven lower, lower sefirot. These are the sefirot that correspond to our emotions. They're the root of our emotions and they're the root of of our um, attributes and why we act in specific ways. So one could say that it's really these seven ingredients that are really behind all of our character traits and all of our attributes. Now that means the following. That means since we are in the image of God, that means that we can find all of these things in God. When I say in God, I mean in the image of God. So that when God is running the world, interacting with the world, he's interacting with the world using these seven tools. So we're always experiencing God's loving kindness, judgment, harmony, endurance, majesty, foundation, kingship. These are the ingredients. 
in all godly energy that enters into the world, it's all happening. The creative power of God, uh, the, the, the power of God to run the world is happening using these ingredients. And because we are a reflection of God, that means that our day-to-day operations, the map of our inner wiring that causes us to act the way we do and have the traits that we do are all coming from these seven energy points that are inside of us. So any character trait that you have can be rooted in one or more of these traits. Imagine that these are just different ingredients inside a big chalent or a big chocolate cake that is you, right? These are, the, these are the ingredients of your inner wiring, the ingredients of your inner psyche, where everything else is rooted. The different names of God, when you find throughout the Torah, that when God is interacting with the world in different ways, he's using different names. Sometimes you'll find God using the name Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, and he's acting one way. Often you find God is punishing, and we find a different name when God is punishing. We find God doing great miracles, and it uses one name. We find God concealing himself, and he uses a different name. Throughout the Torah, the different names of God are being used. Each name of God corresponds to one of the Sifirot. So throughout the Torah, people are often confused. Why is God called this in one place, this in another? The answer is that he's using a different mechanism to run the world. And because of that, we're experiencing a different one of God's Sifirot. And for us as well, also, we have different energy points inside of us. And therefore, we feel different at certain times because we are experiencing different parts, different energies that are inside of us. So sometimes we're experiencing greater chesed. Sometimes we're experiencing greater gvura, greater teferet. And these are things that we need to be aware of, but not only be aware of it, we need to exercise them. They're muscles. We need to learn how to exercise them and flex them and develop them. And this is really where what makes this such a wonderful conversation is this is really where Kabbalah meets self-growth. Where Kabbalah goes from just being abstract to an actual process of self-growth. Because when, because where the two meet is when we begin to understand that Kabbalah teaches us about the inner wiring of, of, of creation, the space, like we said many times, the space between God and the world. And once we learn the inner wiring of creation, we understand that we're a reflection of that and we have that same inner wiring. And, and, and now we can start working on ourselves, understanding that the more that we grow in our, uh, in, 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 our, in our attributes and in our character traits, the more we'll reflect God and the more we'll feel God's presence. Moving over to the diagram on the left, which isn't exactly the same, but it's almost identical, we see that, that again, going back to a concept that we introduced uh, much earlier, that our physical bodies, now I'm talking about, now I'm not talking about your emotions, I'm, not th- I'm talking about your physical body, right? Your skin, your bones, your, your, your whole shape, your whole makeup. It's the outer clothing of your soul. When you go to buy clothing, you look for clothing that fits. It has to fit your body. I would not go and buy the sweater if it didn't have two sleeves because I have two arms. God forbid I only had one arm, I would go to the store that sells one-arm sweaters. 
right? We look for clothing that matches our body. Our body is clothing for our soul. That means that our body is a reflection of our soul. So if our soul has these 10 different attributes, three intellects, and these lower character traits, that means that our body itself also expresses that. So our right arm is a reflection of chesed. Our left arm is a reflection of gvura. Our torso is a reflection of teferet harmony. Our right leg is netzach. Our left leg is hod. Our sexual organs are yisod. And malchut, which you see when, in, when it aligns with the body, it aligns with the mouth. And we'll speak about why that is. Malchut is the, is, is, is the seder plate of the overall. Right, so our outer body dresses our soul, and the inner points, the inner energy points that are inside of us are nitla beish, they're dressed, they're clothed within the physical body that we have. So everything aligns, our physical body with our inner world, our inner world with the divine. And that's sort of the, 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 the overall map. So we're pretty much out of time for today. This is a good introduction to it. Uh, during Sfirat Omer, every single week, we give, a, like we said in the beginning, we give our attention to one of these traits and, 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 and focus for a week on what we can do to access that energy point. And when we do, it brings us closer to God. So in next week's class, what we'll do is we'll actually go through each one and we'll use the workbook that I gave and I'll just show you how to sort of flesh out each one of these energy points and show how we're supposed to work on it. You can even take a look on your own and see if you can make heads or tails of it. But um, it's, it's, it, um, it makes it you know, a lot more interesting and a lot more exciting to understand why we're specifically working on these things. And I hope that today I was able to give you a, a bit of an understanding about that. So all that is in your handout? All, all, well, the handout, you'll take a look at that. The handout is really targeted questions that once you understand the trait, it gives you sort of different ways to look at the trait. Because so I saw numbers on the page. I wonder if it's all part of the package that you sent. Not everything that we said today. This was more of, a, of an introduction. So that, that's going to be more about like getting into each one and how to work on it. I will explain that more, more next week. All right? Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you so everyone much. coming on today. Thank you. And again, if you think about this more and you have any questions, always feel free. Email me with any questions that you have. I want this to be absolutely clear. All right? Are the, um, the images you showed, are, are they in the handouts? I have an uh, access. Yeah, yeah. The images are in the handouts. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Um, thank, thank you. Care, everybody. Thank, thank you. you.